Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Kat Moss of the band Scowl. We talked about Lana Del Rey's 2014 album, Ultraviolence, and about redefining your relationship with artists while you yourself are trying to define your own identity as an artist. Scow released their debut album, How Flowers Grow, in 2021 on Flat Spot Records to much critical acclaim, and they've been on tour nonstop over the last year, and as you'll hear, have no plans to slow down for 2023. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger, and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. You don't want to miss out, so please subscribe. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SpinningOutPod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Kat. Hey, Kat, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. We are talking about Lana Del Rey's third album, Ultraviolence. It came out in 2014, and that came out on Interscope Records. And so what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard Lana Del Rey or this album? Honestly, um, I found out about Lana Del Rey when I was like, I think in seventh grade, I was 13 years old. And my sister uh, came home from school, and we were on YouTube, and she was like, check this out. She played like the video, the music video for video games, which I think video games came out was like her first single, I think, with Interscope, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. But um, and it was kind of like her breakout single and it, it was all over the Internet. It was all over Tumblr, which was like kind of the yeah. thing when I was like that age. I was obsessed with it. And I was instantly like super enam- enamored by her. Um, she has this like croony thing going on like I love it and and it's like very dark and it's like ridden with nostalgia um and I really liked it and I didn't know what I liked about it because at the time I hadn't really ever heard or gotten into music like that besides like Amy Winehouse to be honest Mm -hmm. um and so I was really into her album uh Born to Die and Paradise and they like combined those um those two albums did Born to Die Paradise Edition and it had all these great singles on it like incredible album it was super brooding and I just like really resonated with it as like a young like preteen basically um which is interesting considering like a lot of the like lyrical content going on it's like very edgy very dark and adult but a lot of young girls or young people like around the same age like had happened to have the same experience like getting into her music um can't quite put my finger on why like what was going on there but but yeah so when ultraviolence came out I think I was going into my freshman year of high school I was like it was summer and at first I really I didn't take to it very quick like I I didn't like the vibe as much um it was dark and like oh she was talking a lot about a lot about California but um you know throughout the record she's like also putting on this like kind of Brooklyn accent like it's really interesting there's a lot going on aesthetically and I didn't quite grasp it yet but the album like really took a hold on me I'd say like as time went on 
and as her music kind of grew to mature and like I grew up a bit um so when I first really like listened to Ultraviolence and it stuck with me was honestly not that long ago like Hmm. I would say like four or five years ago and it took a couple singles like a couple random songs and like really hyper fixating on specific lyrics and and kind of realizing like oh this is heavy you know there's like there's some really heavy guitar playing on that album and it just like really started to strike a nerve with me yeah sometimes when i think uh like when you said four years ago i was like wait yeah. wasn't it 2014 four yeah. years ago <laughs> no. and then i'm like oh no that was eight years ago yeah uh, yeah so did you feel like at the time uh so you felt like there was like a difference with like born mm-hmm. to die into ultraviolence like you were like this yeah. is different it, it didn't relate like i couldn't relate the two sounds and a lot of the songs and like the content at all but now as like a very big fan of Lana like um and like having an appreciation for every album she's put out I I the the similarity is so much closer with Ultraviolence and Born to Die um a lot of like the lyrical content again is is very like you know taboo and and brooding and and dark and and um the same like she has a lot of the crooning going on and that's like kind of her thing so you don't really get rid of that as you as you grow and mature through each album but I would say some of like the production aspects and like the underlying like hip-hop production really shows in those first records yeah and I think what's interesting is kind of like because I think like actually sitting down and listening to this as an album this was the first time like it's like yeah, I feel like I, I couldn't I feel like I couldn't like I couldn't get away from like the singles like yeah. I even with like doing oh, research yeah. for this like some of the late night performances like mm-hmm. I watched uh yeah like she was doing video games on David Letterman yeah and uh just it felt like it was hard for me to get away from at a certain yeah. time but I never actually sat down and tried to like think about like who is Lana Del Rey as an artist you know not like something people put in movies or like something that I feel like people are like copying the style of which I guess we'll kind of like get into which I feel like I would probably need a little little bit of help (laughs) unraveling I feel like basically what I'm saying is I have a lot of questions yeah (laughs) you know like ask away I'm a very big fan of hers but she also has like there's so many layers and there's a lot of angles and Mm -hmm. there's a lot like that as even as fans like you really don't know about her because a lot of like what her whole thing is is kind of like conceptual like Mm -hmm. each album is very conceptual and you don't really know what's truth behind her lyrics and what's create like writing a story and I really enjoy that about her because I I think um it allows the listener and like kind of the viewer of the story to paint their own picture and I think like it is kind of what you make it and and like you know you have her like she kind of was a failed artist for a long time like and early on in her career she had um like a couple different failed like uh stage names and like yeah. projects and and like, like albums grant. yes lazy yeah. grant i'm a really big fan of a lot of her unreleased and like demoed um music from that era and like a lot of people who are like pretty devout fans like are huge fans of those demos um but looking at her as Lana Del Rey she was like a breakout star so it's a really interesting like perspective and then adding in like 
you know, like, again, she touches on so much taboo that especially at the time, like mid 2000s going into like the 2000 teens, like she was singing about stuff in such a way that was like very offensive for some people. And then also singing about topics that like really weren't like widely accepted at the time, you know, um, it's pretty, it's pretty dimensional. Um, yeah. And I really appreciate that as someone who like kind of grew up in this era of like coming to my own realization of my own like um, relationship with feminism and and, like being like a woman and and the the female experience and so on and so forth. So like her music really was like, I had a complicated relationship for a long time with it. And then I started to recognize like a lot of it is a character, is a story, is like, yeah a picture being painted i think it's i think it's interesting to think of it as a character yeah and i i I don't want to like jump too far ahead but i'm also trying to think of like trying to because i feel like in recent times it got kind of murky as to what the character of lana del rey versus absolutely because it's like the character of lana del rey would probably date a cop yeah, but that means exactly. Lana. That means uh, Elizabeth Woodridge Grant is actually dating a cop, right? And so the inc- implications with that, mm-hmm. you know. And, but then even going back yeah. further, because I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to process. Well, They're not together yeah, like anymore. Like that, but, that era yeah. of her, like so many of her fans, like especially like someone like me who like very personally like doesn't support that, like doesn't understand yeah. at all. But also growing up in like a pretty conservative household and conservative town and like having to come to with my own like realizations of my own politics, like as a teenager, um, there's a level of understanding looking at her age and where she comes from. But there's also a level of like disappointment. And there's this level of like, well, you're you're allowed as a human being, your own personal life and your own choices. And, you know, like my opinions do not change that, but my opinions to consume who you are, who your art is, whether that's a character or not, does get affected because you make money off of my consumption. So it gets really weird. And like, it's it when you're very punk, it feels like, yeah, what am I doing? You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, OK, <laughs> it's <laughs> like then, I am. I, yeah. I feel like sorry to cut you off. No, you're uh, go, go for it. I feel like it's like it's so complicated to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's like me as a person default, like, you know, like a acab yeah. all the way Just exactly whatever. exactly but i'm like a little too old <laughs> to exactly. kind of go around kind of like i don't know throwing something at a cop you know it's like i have yeah. to exist it's like i unfortunately and i'm not mm-hmm. giving you know i'm not giving like credit to this you know being a cop but it's like yeah. i have to go outside and i have to like do things you exactly. know and it's like we have to grocery shop. We have to fill exactly. up the gas yeah. tank. You know, we have to give money to major corporations, whether we like it or not. And like, we unfortunately don't entirely have a choice whether or not we contribute to that, mm-hmm. like as singular people. Um, one point I was going to bring up that's really yeah. interesting regarding Lana is like, she, you know, she dated a cop, but she also is writing lyrics. Like I think on in Blue Bannisters, um, her most recent album she has lyrics in the song textbook which is like the opening song for the album like about you know protesting for black lives matter and things like that so her politics are are kind of interesting because it's like 
I can tell she's learning. I can tell as a fan and, and based off of what little knowledge I have about her personal life, like she's like, you know, a liberal leaning person, but considering like, I think she's in her late thirties mm -hmm. and she comes from money and she comes from like, I'm guessing like a conservative kind of household and, and like town. Yeah. She probably York, had to learn kinda, a lot. Yeah. Like upstate yeah. New York. When people say upstate New York, I think, usually yeah. conservative essentially if someone yeah. is like not in new york city i'm like you might have like staten island people are often you know but it's like upstate new york feels like it's yeah. like definitely like kind of red zone so i wouldn't be surprised and if she came from money which i couldn't like find mm -hmm. exact things it's just kind of like yeah i feel like when people it's hard to say like it's like it's like I want to give her the credit as the artist it's just yes. a lot of times when i know people that are artists they often are discovered and then usually it's like mm -hmm. then there's money behind it in some way because i think yeah. in a sense like let's say you weren't discovered because of the money it's just that mm -hmm. money allows you to sort of like exactly. uh, chase the things that allow you to be discovered yes. which is they, like they give winnable. you the means yeah they give you the means to be on a radar to be yeah. you know in in front of the right faces i know yeah. that she was a struggling artist for a long time i for know sure. that she I'm guessing grew up probably comfortable, you know, but I know she went to boarding school. I also know at one point she was living like in Florida and spending a lot of time in Miami and like, you know, partying and, and working like waiting tables. Like she talks about that. And that's again, like lyrically, you can, you can kind of pick that up. She's painting that mm -hmm. picture, but you don't know if it's true or not, but based off of like what I knew, I do know from like interviews and stuff. Um, I think that's stuff she was spending time doing. So yeah. she definitely has an idea of what it's like to work. I know she lived in a trailer park at one point. Like the Lizzie Grant era is very, very like much painting a picture, use it aesthetically of that whole vibe. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's like the trailer park thing was funny because I think about yeah. like like Towns Van Zant grew up exactly, in, or, or like not grew up, definitely not grew up, but he lived in a trailer park at some yeah. point. Like, yes. like, and it's like, it feels like an affectation people put on yeah. so that they can sort of live the life to write about it, which I think a lot mm -hmm. of like, when you look at like early 1900s writers, like, you know, it's like F. Scott Fitzgerald and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's like these people kind of put themselves in situations so that they'll kind yes. of be like, oh, this is what it feels like, but you are yes. still a tourist yes. in someone's thing. It's you know, like but, but all that, to, yeah, exactly. And you it's know? like all that to say, it's like, well, but at the end of the day, Towns Van Zant is still a great artist. And yeah. so is Lana Del Rey. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know. Exactly. I, th I think it's very interesting stuff to consider. And then on the flip side, as someone who's like simply consuming the art, it's like, if I like it, I like it, you yeah. know, at the end of the day. And that's kind of what I started to realize with Lana, because for a long time, I sometimes felt kind of let down by choices she made like um on certain things she would say publicly certain things she would do you know she's got a lot of strikes so yeah. i kind of i figured out my relationship with it and and kind of recognized as i grew up like i couldn't be as militant as i once was about you know what i chose to like like what i necessarily like judged people on mm -hmm. um it's kind of like you you pick your battles and you pick what cross you're going to die on, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. Sometimes and, it really is like almost like yeah, having to pick. Not arbitrary. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. It, it almost does feel arbitrary. It's like I can mm-hmm. only can I can only do something in this lane because yeah, I feel like I've had the same realization. It's like yeah, you know, people in town exactly. or other people I see, and then it's like. I feel the gears kind of going and I'm like, I don't agree with that. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I just kind of got to keep it moving because it's like, yeah, I got to worry about me. Like I've, exactly. I've spent so much time worrying about other people's energy. It's like, it's such a rough, it, it's, it's just like, you'll lose a lot of sleep that you yeah. don't really need to like worrying yourself with Lana Del, like really worrying yourself <laughs> yeah. with what Lana Del Rey does. Cause like you were saying back to earlier when you're saying about mm-hmm. the character, cause when I was doing notes for this, it's like in, pre-2016 i don't have an exact like date on it but it was like she claimed to be anti-feminist but then like then essentially in 2020 she was like you know those were bad comments yeah and then it's like i but i think like (laughs) i think what's interesting is i feel like as a kid and i feel Mm -hmm. like i've said this on the pod a lot so i'm not revealing that much but it's like i grew up as a really edgy kid yeah like things that i totally regret and it's like she's like essentially in my in my age bracket, mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm like I look on it I look on it from a distance, but I also see myself in those kind of decisions yeah. where it's like you'll say something and then a few years later you're like, dang, oh, why boy. did I do that? Yeah, yeah. that was <laughs> you know? a poor choice. Yeah, yeah, and Absolutely. it's like it's like 2016 like told us a lot about people, and then like you know yes. going into because then it's like after that she was like. Well, it felt like because there was a point in the Obama years where it kind of felt mm-hmm. like not and it feels silly in hindsight. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, but it's like we got it made. We did this mm-hmm. in a sense. Yep. It, it sounds silly in hindsight. And then like it was like years passed. And now we're in a place where like, you know, abortion is going to be taken yeah. away. Hopefully not in certain states or hopefully not federally. And so it's like it was interesting that in good that she Mm -hmm. spoke up and was like, no, these are real issues. And so it's like, at the time it's like, it feels like, like when it's not real in your face, you feel like you can make these statements. And I think that's like an interesting thing about like, like after 2016, I was like, you know, it's like I voted for the right people and I Mm -hmm. vote in local elections and I, you know, try and do the right things and say the right things. But it's like, I couldn't, I can't assume after a certain point, because I used to feel like, you know, like when you go to a hardcore show and then if everyone yeah. was talking about being vegan or whatnot, mm-hmm. and then like, you're like preaching to the choir, we're all doing this, yeah. you know, but it's like, no, maybe we're not speaking to the choir. And mm-hmm. I think that's like a moment that she must have had. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. it's like, oh, we're not, I'm not speaking to only my people. I am a exactly. huge star and I need to make some sort of stamp of who I am. Yeah, I think she probably struggled a lot from my perspective, watching it all kind of go down as someone who was a fan of hers for a long time and like kind of watching as the years go by different fluctuations in her personality and in her like identity, I think. Um, And how I think like the character and like the actual person like crossed over sometimes. Like I'm, it's clear to me as a fan, like, you know, there's struggle going on. There's a lot of growth and there was times when there wasn't growth. And all I can hope for is like for her to be like a grown, educated woman. But I can't like we were talking about earlier, like I can't lose sleep over what Lana Del Rey tweeted in 2016. (laughs) I would rather educate myself with like a zine on like other issues and like Mm -hmm. talk about that in possibly my art or 
you know, have the conversations with young people around me, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, it's a very interesting and very dimensional like topic and situation. And like, you know, there's always that argument of like, well, if you don't like this person because of their politics, well then throw out all your records by A, B and C other people. And it's like, yeah, true. Like it, it, it's, it is it's true. A, and it, it gets complicated. Cause it's like, if you really start pulling the thread, yeah, everything unravels. Everything, but it doesn't. But the thing is, like, I don't know. I guess I'm. I'll just bring up being like vegetarian. Yeah, about, but it's like I've had people that are like, "Well, can you truly be vegetarian? You probably swallowed a bug or something." I've actually had someone say yeah. that. Yeah, and it's like I can only do so much. You know, you do it's what like that's you can. Yeah, and so you, as a person at the end of the day, liking mm -hmm. Lana Del Rey, it's like all you can do is hope for that as an artist it still mm -hmm. just hits your ears in a way that you enjoy it so exactly when she continues to put out new music it's mm -hmm. like it's like she hasn't like toppled a government you know so exactly. it's like we're talking about a different thing than like you know uh you know mark zuckerberg you know exactly. but so it's like it's still an exactly. artist because it's like yeah. she's a person that there was something she said that was interesting it's like i kind of realized i was like an artist for like a mass mar market Mm -hmm. But I always wanted to be like, like kind of like a writer in a small knit community. Yes. Like, yeah, that's she always what I viewed she always as. had like a niche community, and she still she has now a community that is not niche. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she realized that when it happened. Yeah, especially because a lot of her fans were people like me who who were very young and couldn't really consume by spending money on her, but were still listening. Yeah, you know, playing videos on YouTube, things like that um following her life and her stories but as we grew up we could choose who we were consuming and how we were consuming it i think it probably blew up for her a lot more than she ever realized for sure and mm -hmm. she came up in such a polarizing time for pop music that like very specific styles of music and and topics of conversation were like both you know very had a lot of energy behind them basically entirely but like both taboo but sensationalize you know like suicide and self-harm but also like feminism and you know being a sexual woman like you you couldn't proudly do that but also be a feminist for a while yeah you know and, and there was kind of a confusing moment there and now we've got we've gotten to a point where you can do both and you never couldn't but in in a lot of the you know growing up and getting educated about it it was really confusing and it was always changing yeah, it's an interesting thing when, like, it's, like, not only are we growing up, but almost, like, culture grows up. Yes, absolutely. You know, and then it's, it's always, like, a few steps forward and then back. And then, yeah. like, and it's, like, I remember telling, like, it was someone I knew that was, like, a, a like a gloss show, like, mm -hmm. years ago. And they were, like, but I couldn't go up front. And I'm, like, just, yeah. you don't have to make everything about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, exactly. like, this is, it's, like, every single moment of your waking life is about like what men can do in this yeah. exact moment. Don't make it about you. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it's I, just... I have tried to like, it's, I've tried to like make that my mantra, even sometimes where I, if I see something posted online and I'm like, yeah. you know, it can be innocuous. Like, it's just like, yeah, don't blank. And it's like the dumbest thing ever. Or it's mm -hmm. like, if it's really important and I'm like, is this something that I need to like insert myself into? You know, absolutely like, <laughs> is it worth your energy again is it a that cross too. you're willing to die on you know yeah i when i was this is like so sort of off topic but relating the same you know energy when i was working at trader joe's during the mm -hmm. pandemic like 
I started day one of lockdown and it was insane. And people were mean. They were spinning at us. They were yelling at us because we were asking them to wear their masks and line up. And, you know, we had all these very dystopian things going on in the store that we as the frontline workers had to police in the store. And it got to a point where at first I was like really scared and I was really angry and I didn't know what was going on. And I started to redirect my anger towards the company because they were making us be in that position. We didn't want to be in that position. And it started, I started to really think about it as time went on throughout the pandemic and and kind of taking that like abuse. And I realized like, I don't care. I'm not here to be the best grocery store clerk. Like I'm getting paid the same. I'm just going to bag the groceries. And if people are going to be crazy to me, like, I'm going to walk away. I'm just not going to deal with it, you know? And, and that's when I, I really like a lot of my stress dis- dissipated from that job. And it taught me a lesson more than just a job. It taught me a lesson about like my life. And like, I really get to choose how much energy I spend on stuff. And like, if I don't want to like exacerbate all this energy on something that I really don't like or don't care about, like, I don't have to do that. Like, it's my yeah. choice. Um, and that, you know, relating to this whole topic, like, yeah. it's where I've gotten to as a young adult to be like, oh, like, yeah, I, I if do I really care? Does, how much does it affect me? Okay, it does. I do care. Okay, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to, like, take steps towards my opinions about it. But if yeah. I don't, like, yeah. I have to, I have to pick and choose how much energy I spend on what. I think that's, like, an interesting thing with even, like, enjoying things, too. Yeah. It's like... It's like, I don't even know. I was going to say like Aerosmith or something, yeah, but it's like, yeah. I was like, there might be too much there. Um, but I'm like, it's like, if you like something, it, like, let's say you read like, I don't know, like a book and then mm-hmm. you find out something about the person or like, yeah. you know, something about the story. And it's like, you, you should, I mean, it's like, if you enjoy the book, you enjoy the book. But then like, yeah. I think also telling people the story or being able to know and carry that story with you. And then almost like telling people that it's a good book is like kind of part of the journey. It's like, that's an interesting thing to kind of like, I think it's kind of better for art sometimes to have these warts that kind of carry on through history. Like, it's like, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too, too much into like, you know, like, like Mark Twain, I feel like, you know, but it's like, but it's like, if someone tells the story and something that doesn't live up to like a, a standard nowadays, it's like. it kind of makes it like we're learning something actually learning something from it you know well and you're you're learning about history it's like you know you you growing up in america like there's a lot in history classes they don't teach you because they don't want to show that side and they don't want to embrace the fact that it was pretty dark but you look at something like like mark twain and you have like this major literary like effect on the history like and it's really important and it's important that it's appreciated and ed- that people are educated on it. But as you grow and learn and as our culture develops, as years go by, you learn more dark sides of it. Like like you said, like little warts, like it carries. It's important to learn about that because it shows you what was going on in history. And it yeah. shows you like, yeah, we need, we need to continue to like grow and realize what was wrong then. You know, like I think, I think that's very important. I think that I mean, as simple as it is, it goes to show like without the dark, there isn't a light, you know, yeah. and that's true for literature and art and poetry and everything that's consumed. 
Yeah, and even like thinking about like this record, like I was. Yeah. I'm. I've probably talked about this so many times. I feel like when I'm listening to music, like lyrics aren't the first thing that hit. Yeah. Hits me. Yeah. And but I feel like I was like hit with certain themes on this record that yes. I think it goes back to what you were saying with like. It's kind of like I'm like I don't think we would say it this way no. in like 2022, but it's interesting that it's put this way. Mm-hmm. And I guess for lack of a better way to put it, it's like sometimes it's cringe, like stuff that's oh, yeah. talking about oh, on this yeah. record a lot of times. But then I'm like, but I'm like, it feels that way in like music sometimes. It's like mm-hmm. even with like hardcore records, you're like, oh, I don't think we'd do that now. And yeah. you know, but then it's like, but then it's like, yeah, but they were the first. It's like that first kind of time, and not yeah. that she was the first person to really do the style, but it's like yes. when you're kind of a first in some regard, yeah, you're gonna kind of get it wrong. But that's also like yes. beautiful. Like it's well, like, and it and it causes yeah. a ripple effect. It inspires so many young people, regardless. And I think it's important. And it, it's funny because like one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite musicians, artists is Kim Gordon, Sonic mm-hmm. Youth. Kim Gordon, like her biography that she wrote, slams Lana Del Rey, says that she's practically um, like she she doesn't like Lana. She says Lana is like practically i don't this is like so verbatim like i don't remember what she said word for word but pretty much a stain on feminism you know like doesn't understand what she's doing doesn't get it and i love and appreciate both artists Mm -hmm. and i recognize like oh you know there's animosity here but i can understand like both sides um but what i was gonna say is basically like Lana's still inspired and still like kind of causes ripple effect by saying this stuff and by creating art about this stuff. Nobody has to like it and and not everyone has to like it, but it influenced me because it was like, yeah, this dark stuff is what I'm thinking about, especially as a young woman, a young woman coming up in a really scary world where like everyone around me is telling me like, oh, don't go out alone. Don't wear this. Don't do that. When I would walk to school, like my dad always told me never be looking down at your phone texting because people who are trying to pick up young girls and you know steal them like they're looking for someone who's not aware of their surroundings times when I would be walking to school 13 years old and I would get catcalled by random men you know things like that it was like I am thinking about this and I have feelings about it and when I'm listening to like a musician who's like painting a raw and like crazy almost like kind of disturbing picture of it it's like this is relatable I feel seen as a Mm -hmm. young woman so that was like really important to me and then also paint like talking about like again like you know depression and suicide and feeling like very dark things like hearing a woman like speak about that like and sing about that like it felt really validating as a young person feeling those things yeah i think there was there was something interesting that i feel like pops up and you'll probably know exactly what song it is um it's like there, there's like a song on the record. Uh, I should have written it down, but uh, there's a song on the record that's essentially like, almost like getting married to a guy and mm-hmm. then st- deciding to stay home, and then like yes. smoking cigarettes all day. And then yes. I'm like, that's such an interesting viewpoint, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Because oh, it's, it's sort of it's like it's like it's like you take the thing and you invert it, and you're like, mm-hmm. because I am a woman with my own agency, this yeah. is what I want to do. Yes. And then absolutely. I'm like, and I'm like, that's, that's yeah. like, it's interesting because it's like when you think about it, probably from Kim Gordon's perspective, mm-hmm. it's like, that's yeah. not the agency that 
we were taught by like Gloria Steinem or yes. whatnot to kind of have. Yes. It's like you would. It's like the idea when it's a caricaturized. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's a word. It's yeah. like you'd you'd become the breadwinner, but it's like but exactly. that's not what feminism was about. But that's kind of what becomes yeah. a caricature, and so then yeah. it's like inverting that on your own agency. Mm-hmm. I think is like is a really unique thing that yes. probably did challenge people because I think we had like a no, it has to be. Mm-hmm. It has to be this way or it's not yes. going to work kind of thing of that, yes. that era of feminism. It, it I kinda say that like, as a man speaking of it. Yeah, but no, you're correct in my opinion. Like it relates to like, to me right now, I've been educating myself a lot on like the idea of quote unquote, the the perfect victim, you know, like there's no perfect victim. You You can be a victim, but also still have done things that are human things and mm-hmm it doesn't negate your victimhood or, or yeah. you know, and, and same with being a feminist and like coming up through different waves of feminism, like you don't have to be a perfect feminist, you know, like yeah. we're all learning and growing and culturally growing, especially when you look at different waves of femi- feminism, you look at like where Kim Gordon came up, like in the nineties, like things were very different than, you know, mid two thousands and, and things kind of like, progress and backslid progress backslid that's common we were just talking about that and you know the idea of being like a woman with with your own agency is in like not necessarily following like being a strong confident woman and like embracing your sadness and embracing your your like complacency and your depression and and like that you know or embracing like an abusive relationship it's a really hard concept to swallow but it's very validating to people who can relate especially young people so that's what I why I like appreciate specifically ultra violence and I also just appreciate it because and I appreciate Lana Del Rey for that reason like it was extremely validating when I needed it but you know not just looking at lyrics wise it's also composition it was just like the guitars like the booming like you know dreary sounds going on was just like oh wow this is dark like this yeah. is this is purposefully painting a dark picture like you don't listen to this record and and have a like and, and like you know dance in the car you know this is no, like no. yeah i'm i'm feeling this stuff you know and i really appreciate art like that because I, maybe it's my nature or maybe it's just like you know, it, it's validating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it kind of works in a way like, like I have sometimes where I feel like if, I, you know, it's like, I feel like sometimes when I, if I watch like a bunch of horror movies or mm-hmm. if, I, if I listen to depressing music, I guess, yeah. then I feel like it like exercises things, you know? Yes. Like it just gets the demons out, which I know yes. it's like a simple way of putting it. And so I think there's like a kind of sitting in it that kind mm-hmm. of like a sauna kind of effect that yes. kind of like gets it out of you or, you know, um, and even as like if you're younger and you're trying to like, mm-hmm. like being told these concepts and having them kind of shown in a way that's digestible yet, it's like telling you things that you feel like you shouldn't be allowed to listen to, yes. but also like, it, it sh- I mean, it is so much like literature, you know, yes. and that's, I think sometimes like, that's where it's kind of fucked up that we mm-hmm. don't give someone like her the credit, but mm-hmm. we would give, 
I don't know, like insert whoever kind of yeah. sort of fits into this. I don't know, like a Father John Misty or something. Yes. You know. Who she's and, a huge fan of, by the way. For she's sure. She's like yeah. obsessed with. Um, she is like personally like like coming from that direction, like, you know, like referencing the literature, like she is really, really like she knows her stuff. And that kind of like to me was really valuable because it like it set a tone for me to be like, if I want to write lyrics, if I want to be an artist, like I want to know my stuff too. And growing through that, it like made me have an appreciation for a lot more literature and, and have an appreciation for poetry and how it influences my life. You know, she's she's a poet, you know, she's a crooner. She's whatever it is that she identifies with or, or paints a picture as she is, like as her character is on ultraviolence you know yeah but it it really like set a tone at least for me it it set a tone and it set an example and i feel like it's like she definitely doesn't get enough credit for like the humor that is in a lot of this stuff like i feel i mean like i think like with fuck my way up to the top like i feel like it's like obviously kind of funny but i wonder if people would take it at complete face value people did take it at face value (laughs) a lot of people were really offended by it i think when that song came out and like i didn't understand it i was just like oh she's being edgy but as time went on i like heard it again and again and like growing into like being my own you know person my own musician my own like feminine embodiment like and being on the side where like I see a mild amount of success, like playing in a band or, or having a face, right? And and being consumed. And people aren't always gonna like it. I don't expect them to, but seeing what people will say, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this band is only popular because it's a pretty girl, you know, things like that. Like not all the all the years of hard work and improvement and growth, like that's not why. You know, that's a song that I heavily relate to. And it's one of my favorite songs on the record because she's poking fun at the fact that people in the industry and in the business were like, Oh yeah. You know, she didn't really work that hard. She didn't, yeah, she didn't yeah. know herself, you know? And it's like, yeah, you know what? She's allowed to make jokes about that. And yeah. I love that. I, I really relate to that now. Like, I think it's, it's awesome. I think, you know, poking minor, minor jokes and like having a little bit of comedy there, a little bit of like, um, like satire, is mm-hmm. is really special especially if it's like a song so blatant you know mm-hmm. and it's and people kind of write the jokes themselves when they take that personal it, yeah, it really does yeah. work it, it's like the long con you know yeah and i think there was something she said like it was kind of like even if i <laughs> like it was kind of like something the comment was like if i had sex with a lot of industry people mm-hmm. none of them actually gave me a record label so what yeah. was you know what's the point because it was yeah. like essentially like this i think the direct story of it was mm-hmm. that she's told so some of it mm-hmm. i'm like i don't know if this is like yeah. a tale kind of like another tale that's kind of yeah made and it was like a another artist was like said that about her essentially and she overheard it yeah and then she was like well if you feel that way then i'm just going to write that yeah you know let's <laughs> bring it you know it's the same thing in my brain where i'm like well, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about it like tell it to my face let's go we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it you know like i'm personally very honest like that with a lot of people in my life where i like to think that i am so i can very much relate to that it's cheeky yeah it is kind of fun i also i don't know why i'm thinking of this but it, it's i remember back in the day i mm-hmm. feel like i would have friends that would that would date yes. and then they would uh essentially some a woman in the community they'd be like 
oh, she's dated a few of our friends. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, but you've also dated her. So by, what are you trying to say? It's like, what is this? Like that kind of scarlet letter that ends Mm -hmm. up happening to women that doesn't happen to men. It's kind of all kind of obvious, but it's it's very interesting. And I'm like, you've, you know, it's like if we're using this metric, you've dated all of them. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, it's not like. It's a double standard. Of course. It's a total double standard. And it's like a man can sleep around, but if a woman does it, it's, it changes everything about her value. You know, if a man does it, his value goes up. If a woman does it, her value goes down. And that way of thinking is so interesting to me because, you know, again, it's like a double standard and it makes me think a lot, like a, a lot about like I'll have conversations with a lot of women in hardcore and like, you know, DIY music like 10, 15 years ago, you know, if they're photographers or playing in bands, like every a lot of the dudes around them, even if they were just showing up to shows would say like, oh, you're just here to sleep around. You're just here mm-hmm. to like do this. And it created like a really hard environment for them to the point now where I'll have conversations with women like that. And they'll tell me that happened to them. And they're like, what you're doing makes me so proud because I needed someone like you. Like what you're doing is really cool because this was a lot harder to do, like really grateful. And that like makes my heart hurt, but I'm also really grateful that things have changed and they stuck around and that, you know, whether they're a photographer or a vocalist or, whatever they're bringing or just a fan, like someone who's coming to shows, someone who's like continuing to like, like keep DIY and hardcore alive, whatever it may be, you know, they stuck through that. They kind of, they're strong, you know, and, and whatever their talent was, like it really showed, you know, they had to work twice as hard for it to show. Yeah. Uh, I I think about like uh, any kind of bands when I was growing up, it almost felt like to like women in bands had to be like exceptional. And yeah. it's like, and it's like, yeah. it's like, dude, I mean, I've been playing in bands for so long and I'm mm-hmm. like the most musically not inclined person. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, I'm allowed to be bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, then someone will be like, oh, you're not bad. But it's like, then yeah, I feel yeah. like that same, that same kind of thing should be afforded. Like, yes, you should just be able to be like also a bad vocalist or like bad yeah. you know, guitarist. Well, and it's like, there's so many dudes, bad start guitarists. Somewhere. It's like, it's like, you know? yeah. You there's know, a lot it, of, yeah. There's a lot of mediocrity or media. <laughs> I can't, I can't say the word. There's a right. lot of mediocre musicians who are mm-hmm. men, yeah. but I don't, I'm not here to judge because we all start somewhere um, who don't ever, no one says anything about it. But when it comes to like a woman, you know, you playing in bands, you're under scrutiny a lot more. You're under a oh, micro- for sure. microscope. You, everything you do, the way you dress, like who you are, like, the way you talk, the way you present yourself and the way I identify and in, in your vocals or whatever it is, like it's scrutinized and you're expected to be perfect. But if you're successful, that's also not okay. You know, if you're successful, then you don't deserve it and other bands deserve it. You know, it's very complicated and it's really complex and it's like, it's hard to understand and it's hard to be on the receiving end because you feel like something you worked so hard for and so, so hard to be a part of, like, turned its back to you like that's an experience I have sometimes the feelings I have where I'm like you know I worked really hard and I supported this and I do support it but you guys don't really seem to like me like what did I do like I'm just showing up like I've gotten lucky gotten very lucky with like opportunities I'm really grateful and I've worked really hard but and I wish them on everyone you know but people get pretty nasty 
when yeah. when you're when you're not just i mean people get nasty no matter what but but it is it is a little bit i i think it's a little harder sometimes a little bit yeah harder. <laughs> yeah i think it, i think it's also interesting i remember like when uh my wife was starting out like playing in yeah. bands uh even like with her it was like she felt like no one kind of like told her it was okay for a long time even probably me and it was like eventually you know it's like yeah of course you can play in bands but i don't think people were really saying that to women it was Mm -hmm. like you know you had to be like a shredder before you even decide to be in your first band (laughs) then it's like but people like sound guys are just like people would be like why do you play that pedal and it's like you know and it's like no one no one does that to men you know, yeah. and it's like it's like just let someone play in it. There, it was the it was the right quote unquote gear, but it's like yeah. no one fucking does that to men. Like people would yeah. just go on stage and like adjust their levels and stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's exactly. just like, and it's just like people don't do that. And then it feels also like I guess like when you're like a front person, people mm-hmm. are. Yeah, I I don't even know because I'm I'm not in your shoes, but I can only yeah. imagine. And like, but it's like it's funny though if people are like, well like you said already it's like y'all have been on so many tours this year like all i know about yes. scal is just like <laughs> y'all just kept going we've been doing so much you know and so it's like you know it's even like when you say luck i'm like well give yourself the credit of the hard work yeah. you've done you know I'm, I, but i do feel scared to like accept that credit and like accept like yeah i did work hard because i'm scared because like i want to stay humble like i don't mm-hmm. You know that's really important to me like that is a very important um like like character trait for me like where i'm like i have to recognize where i'm at and where i came from and that like you know like i can mis- make mistakes and i'm not very good and i'm not perfect this is my first band you know like but at the same time like i do have to sometimes stop and be like cat give yourself a pat on the back like you worked hard you dealt with some shit you know like you did it like yeah it's okay. Yeah, there's, I, there was some podcast I was listening to where they were talking about like people. It feels like a lot of times on like let's say just say Twitter, yeah. um, like just hate anyone's wins. Yes, you know it's, it's like it's it's a know. crab it's a crab cage. You know anyone who's like escaping, you pull them back down. Yeah. Anyone who's who's like experiencing success, they're gonna get an equal level of hate and and like dirt thrown at them because i think people are you know people are lost we live in a really crazy world and it's hard to find to like it's hard when you work really hard for something and you don't see success you know like um i can only imagine like how painful it is to like do something like for 20 years hoping for an outcome and not seeing that desired outcome and how like hard that is and and naturally there's going to be projection yeah i'll you know, tell like, you from i empathize experience it's hard yeah like <laughs> but... i empathize i'm very lucky like i'll tell people like sal's my first band and they're like that was your first band like and you're doing this and i'm like i know i don't get it i didn't expect yeah. it I didn't it just happens it. sometimes like, it's like it i mean happens. i i feel like it's like and I love when I see those yeah. bands kind of like if there's a band that I feel is like pops off quickly, yeah, that's not an indication of really anything. It just kind of as 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 long as I've been alive, it feels to happen. What brings yeah. me joy is when those bands that get that. Let's say if you know, and I don't, I don't, 
I hope don't hope this happens. But if you yeah. if you see a perceived dip, it's like mm-hmm. I hope that you work through it because I think that's yeah. the amazing part of a lot of bands' journeys is whenever they kind of like crawl themselves back yeah. out of it. And yeah. maybe they, you know, people don't see what that feels like, and some yeah. of that might be emotional. But when those bands kind of come out the other side from that thing, I think they're just like it it's shows amazing, a strong yeah. band. Yeah. I, I definitely think like there's always that fear, like like we weren't immediately off the bat like tour offers you know well that's the interesting thing when we bring it back to lana del rey sorry to Mm -hmm. cut you off it's just like no you're good when when that kind of happens with bands Mm -hmm. like i remember a label telling me because i was like it's like it feels like with my band we can't put out an album but every four years so it feels like every time we're having to like re be rediscovered you know and then they're like i remember them telling me like the the people that didn't know didn't know you know it's like so it's like with lana del rey it's like they can't see the work that went before. And sometimes that's really good because it's like mm-hmm. you're just reintroduced into the world. There are people exactly. at this very moment that had just introduced themselves to Scow, but you're like, I have done all, all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's like exactly. a great feeling, but it's it's you know, like you've lived through it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I guess what you were saying, sorry to cut you off. No, it's it's just it's it's kind of that fear when you do start to get like that momentum and, and like some success. There's always that fear of like, is this a flash in the pan? Is this just going to be like, oh, we had a crazy year. Done. You know, there's always that fear. And that's when I'm like, okay, that's natural. Um, That's so normal to have, like, whether it's music or anything. Like, when you you have something good happen, like, as someone who's experienced struggle and hardship, like, you're always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. So naturally, you're going to have that fear, like, is, are we a flash in the pan? Are we, you know, and then you have to think, like, well, as long as I'm creating, that's all that matters to me. Like you have to, you have to revisit your morals. Like for me, like playing in a band isn't about touring all the time and isn't about like necessarily seeing what my idea of success is. I would love to do it forever. And like, I like playing music a lot. I love being creative. I, I love touring like as hard as it is, you know, mentally uh, and like physically, like I love doing it. I would like to do that instead of bagging groceries you know, I'd like to do that instead of working in a cubicle, but, but realistically at the end of the day, if I'm creating, I'm happy. And that's like, mm-hmm. I have to visit those malls where it's like, and, and if I'm writing music and we are a flash in the pan or whatever it may be, I'm not worried. I'm writing music. That's all that matters. I get yeah. to play at, if I get to play one show, I'm happy. You know, if I get to play 50 shows, I'm happy, but yeah, I think back to like my first like metalcore band and uh, we were like, if we could like record and like burn a CD to give out mm-hmm. to shows, that would be like it. That's like, yeah. the peak, <laughs> then, you know, then trying to remember that feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. it's like, I love that I've been able to tour and all that stuff. But then it was like, when, when like lockdown happened and everything, it was like, yeah. what do I even like about any of this? Cause yes. it's like, you know, and then it's like, oh, I think it's just like, whenever you can put a song together, that creative mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, or even like with putting a podcast together, it's yeah. like, oh, I did it. You yeah, know? you and did then, it. Yeah, and then it's like that kind of thing. It's just like that's actually the real, like trying to get to the, just the essence the of meat, why you do you know? it. Yeah, yeah, why yeah you the do it meat in the first of it. Place. Yeah. It's that's really important to me. And like going back, like okay, we're gonna bring Lana Del Rey back into the conversation. <laughs> I'm looking at like okay, when I was a kid and I got into her, and I was like, I really resonate with this. It's really cool. At that same age, I was thinking like, God, I would love to sing one day. I would love to be in a band one day. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. that can't be me like I don't even play an instrument 
I don't even have friends who play instruments. I don't even have friends. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like I can't do that. The most I can do is write in my notebook and write poetry on Tumblr, you know, whatever that is. And that grew from like having a little bit of like bravery and being like, I'm going to put spoken word poetry on SoundCloud and like doing things like that later in my teens and, and things that were really embarrassing in hindsight. But, you know, I did it. I went out there and then eventually being like in a position where I'm like enjoying DIY shows and I'm creating friendships and in, in DIY spaces. And I have people in my life who I'm like, hey, I kind of want to start a band. And they're like, oh, really? Word? You're going to sing. And I'm like, OK, here we go. And it, it's scary and it's embarrassing. And, and like I look back at like the scowl demo and I'm like, oh, my God, what was I doing? But you know, you look back at young me and, and anyone else who was in that position, like listening to something, even if it was like the Beastie Boys, even if it was Michael Jackson, Lana Del Rey. It's like, I wanted to do that. I'm inspired by this. I'm inspired by these themes and, and what's being spoken about here. Like, and like the way the music makes me feel, the way the like, you know, listening to this in my earbuds walking to school makes me feel like I'm... I'm like living in this world in a different way than I did yesterday. You know, that, that coming back to that is like really important to me to be like, I just alone and getting out of bed and like writing a song. Like, that's really cool. I never thought I could do that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess I, well, the question I tend to ask sometimes is, so if you had to pick one song from this record, yeah. like what is the song for you? Man, that's a hard one. I okay. I have to really think about this because I I would say "Fuck My Way to the Top" is like one of my favorite songs, but I couldn't say it's like the song. Um, and I would also give "Florida Kilos" like an honorable mention. I think that's the deluxe version. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, that song is like it's just the composition is is crazy. Like when that song starts playing it just like strikes me but the song that I think like encompasses the record and like a lot of the themes and kind of like almost some of the satire in it like mm -hmm. is Brooklyn Baby and Brooklyn yeah. Baby like I didn't really recognize that song until not that long ago like I didn't really think about it that much and and then the lyrics like my boyfriend's in a band, but he's not as cool as me. Like, I think that's so silly. Like, I think it's so cool, but it paints a picture. And she's talking about, like, beat poetry. And, like, she's talking about Lou Reed on this record. Like, she's talking about, like, mm -hmm. all this stuff. Like, you know, smoking cigarettes. Like, hydroponic weed. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that is so pretentious and ridiculous, but it paints a picture. And as someone who writes lyrics and, like, likes to write poetry and things like that, that is such a great like clear almost like joking example of like how clearly someone can write a picture or paint a picture with words mm -hmm. yeah i think it's fun to i don't know how much i succeed at yeah. this but it's like when you write a lyric and then if you're able to like always like like trying to write something that feels like me and then kind of generalize it but then almost yeah. like put something back in that exactly. little thing that you put back in that like is almost like you signed the song. Yeah. You know, that's it's kinda like and I also feel like in those moments and songs mm -hmm. they it makes it even if it's not someone's experience, it feels yeah. very relatable. Yeah. Because it's you're like, giving such a specific thing, it yeah. feels universal. You're like, Oh, yeah. I could live that. Yeah. You know, like she wasn't 
she wasn't alive in the 70s like going through all that like what she's writing about but she's painting a really cool picture about it and when I got into this it was like I didn't know anything about that stuff and it created like a ripple effect where I was like I do want to know about it mm -hmm. I started listening to bands from the 70s and like thinking more about it and and that was like kind of a gateway and I think that's kind of cool like for me personally I think it's cool no I think it's great other people might not be, but I, th I think there's like a thing that I've come back around to because it's yeah. like as an edgy kid I feel like there was even a long period where I was like I hate the Beatles and oh, then kind yeah. of getting to a point where I was like no I don't I just wanted to say that you know it's like so it there's was things really cool to say it was really cool to say and now it's like embarrassing mm -hmm. but then I also still think of like you know the 60 some year old dudes that are just like if you were like they're just Beatles 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 and then so yeah. I'm like oh that's why I did it but mm -hmm. it but it's like but Beatles are good you know they're very important yeah and it's like so when you think about like like where she mentions like Lou Reed mm -hmm. and then she's also said yeah. like Frank Sinatra is like a big influence yeah. and I think what's interesting like even if those aren't like my go-to's it's like yeah I I think there's so many things nowadays that feel like so subversive mm -hmm. and it's like like I was talking to some friends about like uh like Knives Out or like Glass Onion yeah. it's coming out and it's like why can't we just get a movie that and this is kind of the closest we have but it's like why can't something just be a straight up mystery you know like yeah like we go so many layers of things that it's like why can't we just get the thing yeah you know, it's like no, exactly you know it's like velvet underground's good like why does something have to be like imagine if velvet underground but like it was like yes. techno and it's like no nah, i just kind of like can we do <laughs> the can we do yeah. the thing again like we've yeah. gone through so many levels of this thing i just want the thing again and i think mm -hmm. that's what lana del rey kind of is like going back to in a way mm -hmm. it's like yeah no like it's cool to like these things that might seem surface yes you know and then like recontextualizing yeah. them for well 2014 audience you know yeah no i i think that's so powerful and personally like it's it i had like this kind of weird punk realization to kind of add on to that like a couple years ago i got really into pop music again like really reignited and and at first i was like this is like a little secret. It's my little secret. Yeah, like, yeah. not very punk of me. And then I realized, I was like, I don't care. Like, I like it. It influences me, me and my art, even if my art's punk music. Like, Lana Del Rey, Billie Eilish, like, the Beatles influence a hardcore band in, hard, in me. Like, someone who, like, likes hardcore also. Like, I can do both. I can, I can experience both and, like, draw in my idea of what an inspiration of that is or like an homage to it is and live unscathed because it's what I like and to me like that's more important than like like that's it's more important to be authentic to me mm -hmm. yeah. um that's my value though you know that I don't try to project that on other people necessarily but for me like experiencing art isn't just about experiencing art that's like my little secret anymore like I kind of yeah. grew out of that and I was like oh like yeah I like Lana Del Rey you know Ultra uh, yeah. is great <laughs> what I think it's interesting you said the authentic thing because mm -hmm. it's like then you know kind of back to the Kim Gordon but people yeah. were at the time and pr probably still now mm -hmm. but at the time uh being like she's this is like a industry plant yes you know and then it's like this isn't the authentic thing and then some of the producers that had worked with her earlier kind of come out and they're like no this is like who this person is and yeah. like and she was really aware of it coming into this record because it's like yeah the record was basically done from what i read 
and Dan Auerbach came in at the tail end of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said that they, you know, they bumped heads a lot with with it. But he's like, but she really just the whole time wanted me to know, like, this is who I am. This is who the record Mm -hmm. is. So anything we do is we're playing and making this better. And he's like, he's like, and I appreciated that. And once again, not in quotes, you know, like, but it felt like he appreciated that as a distance. And I thought it was interesting that she was like, this is my record, like, Mm -hmm. you know, how I want to make it. So that kind of she took ownership. I think, yeah, yeah, the that authenticity and like, especially if you're a solo like artist, like I think it's very important that you feel represented on your record and that it's not like clouded in your perspective because like the listener isn't going to know necessarily that story behind it but that you don't feel clouded and disconnected from what your name is connected to like it's very important that you don't feel that way and because I I can't imagine like the feeling of you know having someone pretty much create a record for you under your name and then and then like not really loving it and feeling like well why do I do this you know yeah and I wonder like if she felt because as I'm not completely sure, but like, what do you feel like the next record was? Like, was it like yeah. a return back or um, was it more of the, the next record that... was Honeymoon. Oh mm-hmm. man, we could talk about Honeymoon. I don't really know a lot about the behind the scenes of Honeymoon and about like who produced it. Like I really don't. And Honeymoon's a record that I really didn't give a chance until this last summer. And then something switched and Honeymoon was every, like the only thing I was listening to. Um... I would say Honeymoon is very clearly even more influenced by like Frank Sinatra and like a lot of her major influences that she's cited. And it's a record that it's again, it's like kind of got this conceptual thing going, but at the time of its like release, I did not relate to, did not understand. It was not the Lana Del Rey I expected. I was expecting still dark brooding and it is dark and brooding. The record is, but the uh the con- the concept and and like the imagery behind it is not it's it's very um italian riviera like vibes oh, okay so yeah. at the time yeah. i was like i don't care for honeymoon i never i really didn't for a long time and then i like gave it a real listen and i was like oh word yeah. like, it is interesting to think of <laughs> lana del rey as like um it's like a modern day Frank Sinatra in a way yeah. that it's like, so does that mean when we're like 60, we would just be playing Lana Del Rey? Because it's... I will. I will <laughs> you know, be. Yeah. Because it's interesting to think that yeah. I think like if you think of other crooners, it's like yeah. a lot of times it's like, you know, it, it feels like a lot of times they're doing Frank Sinatra. And it's right. like they've been these updated guys like, you know, Josh Groban mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Harry Connick Jr. It's like they're doing yeah. that. And that's cool. Whatever. But like it feels like it's like that the art form hasn't progressed, and so it's like yes. so if this is the analog for twenty fourteen or twenty twenty one, then it's like then this is potentially where the style should have gone mm-hmm. into a modern day. And I say that because it's interesting to me when I feel like uh, there's like even like hardcore bands that feel like they're like pushing the envelope, but yeah. not trying to be like we're trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just no, trying to do it yeah. for a modern thing, and we're not yeah. just trying to be raw deal you know or like mm-hmm. it's like you know killing time and it's like yes and it's like killing time rules but i don't yeah. necessarily need to make another killing time and it's like exactly so i i guess i'm saying that to you because i yeah. feel like that's what scowl is to me and it's like it feels oh. current thank you, know, you. but it does, I mean, you know 
Scowl's not reinventing the wheel. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not a band that has the ability, one, or two, wants to, like, do something incredibly different. And we're not claiming to. But we're doing what we think is kind of, like, is, like, punk, but with also, like, influences from the bands and artists we like. You know, like Sonic Youth and the Stooges and things like that. And it's, like, you know, you may not hear that as a listener because, like, we're not very talented. But... <laughs> you know we're we're doing the punk thing we're picking up the guitars we're writing the songs we're you know doing what we can with the means we have and we want to be creative like it's it's not about like it's about us like enjoying what we're doing and enjoying yeah. the songs we write and, and and enjoying playing the songs we write like that that to me is so important and like looking at like an album like honeymoon following ultraviolence it's like clearly she did not steer away from talking about which we know Lana talks about. She was talking about boys. She was talking about challenging relationships. She was talking about depression and feeling like disassociated and like, you know, all these, these, these like painting these pictures, right? Um, she just had like a different background to it. And then the other thing I will say is that I do really appreciate about, appreciate about her music is again, like she's not reinventing the wheel by it being like a female crooner, like inspired by, you know, who she's inspired by but she has this really cool like kind of like hip hop production behind it. And that really stands out in my opinion, stands out to me, you mm -hmm. know? And, and that's like looking at like scowl and relating scowl somehow to Lana yeah. Del Rey. It's like, you know, we're a band that is like a hardcore punk band. We're not trying to do anything different. We just want to do stuff that feels good for us and like feels authentic for us. And but I also really like pop production. I really like certain production that's pretty modern. So I want to like be influenced by that. And as I learn more about being a musician and production and like, you know, being an artist, like I'm going to maybe nail, nail it better as time yeah. goes, hopefully. Yeah. Or I'm just going to get worse, you know? Well, yeah. Who knows? I mean, but you know, I think about like, I, I feel like I had that kind of, uh, yeah. I guess poptimism is the yeah, the term yeah. we're kind of in as a culture, but I'm like, no, but actually, I just like Carly Rae Jepsen, and oh, I just really like Charlie XCX. Like it's like oh my I saw Carly yeah. Rae Jepsen live, and I was like, this is like one of the best shows I've it ever been, been to. It must have been so cool. It must have been so cool. It was it was great, and yeah. I feel like I it's like a a friend was like, oh, I have an extra ticket, and I was mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know. You yeah, know, and then I, I went, and I was like, I'm such a fucking like hater. Dude, like, I and I was just like, mind. this is great. Like. I mean, that's yeah. why I like My Chemical Romance is one of my favorite bands ever. I They were like the first band I got into and fell in love with besides the Beatles, actually. The Beatles were like my first band as a mm -hmm. kid. And then it was My Chem. And My Chem has like changed the course of my life, in my opinion, like to be dramatic about it. You know, they were really important to me. And that's a band that has like hits, has pop production on their hits that are like pretty dark songs, dark themes, yeah. like you know like dark imagery it's and somehow like they have become a band you know they've come back but even before they you know split up and came back like they attracted all, everyone it wasn't just young kids it was like adults like mm -hmm. you know they attracted everyone and and that's like something i could reference also where it's like they were just doing their thing and they got kind of lucky and they worked hard, but they yeah. also like, you know, they had that pop production and like, you yeah. can't deny it. You really can't deny it. Personally, I, feel like, I love it. 
I feel like I, I mean, I feel like I was just of an age where it was, yeah. like, I was past that in my yes. kind of punk education. Like I was already like into like power violence or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. So I was like, yeah. yeah. But like even because uh, I, I feel like I basically sell his book uh, for him. Uh, Dan Ozzie's book, Sell Out. He has a really yes. good chapter on My Chemical Romance. And like okay. that made me like think differently about mm-hmm. them. And I was like, oh, they were just like New Jersey kids. Yeah. And it's like if it wasn't for like Jeff Rickley, mm-hmm. you know, it's like actually if it wasn't for Jeff no. Rickley, I feel like they probably still would have become popular because I feel like they just wanted it, you know. But like mm-hmm. Jeff Rickley, you know, like but shout then it's out also Jeff like, Rickley, yeah, te- definitely is, shout out Rick, Jeff Rickley. He is yeah. someone like I don't mean to derail, but I only recently had like an interaction with him for the first time, and I was kind of like, oh my god, okay, you know, realistic, and and the nicest the most supportive like I, I could not I was like beside myself like when I got like a DM and I was like okay yeah like, he's like, like a like, really personal like, dude like yeah. a lot of those people like like I had uh Norman Brandon who plays with Thursdays sometimes and he was uh you know he's played in like so many bands yeah but like but those people are so like gracious with their times so that you know yes. if you're listening though don't don't blow them up too much but like they are <laughs> gracious with their time like yeah Jeff Rickley like answered a question about a comic book for me because he's like a big comic <laughs> yeah. collector yeah. and it's like and I'm like this guy had no business answering yeah message. but he did and it's like these people were like the true like mm-hmm. this is what like seeing that and even reading that chapter on yeah. like my chemical romance, it's like, oh, this is still this is why I got into this mm-hmm. style of music, whatever it is, exactly you know, like from one point to the other. And it's yeah. like these people that kind of reinvent. I don't even, like. I, I guess you were saying I don't want to say reinvent the wheel, but it's like yeah. my chemical romance, but their own spin on it. You know? Yeah, they and, did their thing. You know, and it's like inject your personality, which I think is a lot of what we're talking about this yeah. whole time. It's just like what is your authentic version of you that you can mm-hmm. sort of like synthesize through the art that you love? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think at the end of the day, like that's what we're all hopefully at, like what I can speak for myself that I'm trying to do is just like project who I am and my stories into my art at the most, in the most authentic and honest way, like the most vulnerable way that isn't like, but where I'm still relatable, you know? Mm. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm like painting a picture that like, you know, a young person like me is listening in their earbuds to walking to school and they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You know? And, and I look at these artists that like I consumed and I appreciated and, and in my own way, like had my own, my own life stories attached to, you know, like there's songs by Mike Hem that I'm like, yeah, I really like the song because it made me think about how much I hated my mom at the time, you know, things yeah, like yeah. that. And it's like, they weren't writing about that, you know, but for me, it was like that. And that was really important. Yeah. And I guess like, it, since I know we jumped around a lot. So if yeah. there's like other kind of comments that you feel like you discovered with like re like re-listening to ultraviolence, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't, I don't want to like withhold you yeah. from that or anything. So if you have like other things you wanted to yeah. mention about the record. I mean, I think it's, it's a cool record you know from what musical knowledge i have i think it's like it, it's it's like heroin it's so yeah. cool and like you know playing it in the car is like to me like the most important time to play it because it's just like that first um west coast like when it starts and it's like that boom 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 you know yeah. and and it's like immediately so dreary like 
I, I don't even know. I can't explain with words. Like it, it really feels like something. And if you like that feeling, like, you know, you, you got to listen to that record. You got to listen to that record. Yeah. I so. think there's sometimes too, with like when we like really love a record and we've grown up with yeah. it, sometimes it makes it even like a little harder to talk about. Yeah. Cause it's just like, I don't know how to explain to you how DNA works. You know, it's like, it exactly. just feels like it's so coded into you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like the records that I have the hardest time talking about are like, like operation Ivy. Yeah. you know like it's Ugh. just like it's just like something it's like i can't i can barely remember a time that i wasn't listening to it so yes. i don't know what to tell you yeah. you know it's like so it sounds like this is like that for you yeah. in a way it's like it's just like it's it been just paints a picture. my day one you know yeah it really paints a picture and it's i mean there's so many records like that for me too and, and i'm like someone who really gets hard on myself about like how i speak about things like i really want to get it right because i want it to be heard correctly I don't want to be misunderstood and you know when you when you hold something to such value and hold hold it so close to you you're like oh I don't want to like misspeak about this you know I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing or not express just how devout I am to it um so it's just it's just really interesting there's a there's a lot of topics there's so it's so vast and it's so like for a very black and white and dark record very colorful like there's so yeah. much to relate to if, if you grew up in like a kind of challenging era or challenging household, like, you know, have been through challenging relationships, stuff that like a lot of people have dealt with. Like there's something for you in every song, you know? Yeah. And I think the inverse of the question I asked earlier, if you were mm-hmm. to cut one song from Ooh. the kind of a, the original oh, yeah. 11, oh, yeah. uh, what do you feel like you would cut? Um... Well, I would say Guns N' Roses, but I don't even think that's in the original. I don't think they have. Okay, I'm looking at the track list. Yeah, after think... the other woman is the last on the okay. actual, like. But yeah, Guns N' Roses would be for the I bonus, would say but... Guns N' Roses for Deluxe because I just never cared that much yeah. about that song. Um. Oh, this is so hard. I'm looking it at the track really list hard. I'm right looking now. at it now, and I'm, would, I'm still would... pretty new to this, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know what I'd cut because it all fits so well together. And I'm also mm-hmm. thinking about the runtime that I wrote down was yeah. based on the 14 tracks. Yes. And so I'm like, it's not really too long of a record if no. you cut off those bonus yeah. ones. Uh, but then if you cut off the bonus, you kind of lose some of those couple that are like, like Florida yeah. kilos, like you were saying, you <laughs> lose that one then. So I guess song. like, I guess if we had to cut off the bonus, then the record it would be stuff. guns and roses. But, <laughs> yeah. but if we're talking about like the OG, it would probably be the other woman because I feel like the other woman could have been a bonus instead of Florida Kilos. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And that then would have been if, a fun kind of thing, yeah. especially for the time. Like, it's like exactly. the actual, the way bonuses used to kind yes. of work. Yeah. And then getting even deeper, like, not to derail again, um, there's a song, one of my, probably my favorite Lana song ever is a song that never made it on Ultraviolence. Oh, that okay. They demoed, and it's called... I think it's called Your Girl, but the the chorus is I Wish I Was Your Girl, and it's this haunting song. And you can find it on YouTube if you find the right version that isn't, like, slowed down or pitched slightly. So, um, But that's a song that I wish ended up on the original record because it is – it's just so haunting. And, like, as someone now who's been on tour, there's, like, relatable parts because she does speak about, like, been on tour for so long, you know? Like, she it's, – it's so brooding. It just yeah. fits in the record. I just wish it was. It, I wish it was there. Yeah, and something we didn't even get to really touch on. I think yeah. I touched on it at the beginning. It's like 
thinking of all the artists that kind of like uh got way bigger than her that Mm -hmm. basically took her vibe oh yeah she walked for a lot of people to run you know yeah like it's interesting because it was like uh just the people that were even like no you Mm -hmm. need to check out adele or like Mm -hmm. adele said that adele was like you should check out lana del rey and it's interesting because i was like i wouldn't have compared them but i can see essentially like how she took it and went kind of a different Mm -hmm. way with it but she was like so I was like, I wouldn't even have connected those things in my yeah. mind, like Adele with Lana Del Rey. Yes. And and even like uh, Miley Ray Cyrus has mm-hmm. said, and you know, and then like they've worked together and whatnot. But it's yeah. like, like kind of seeing some of that, and then even like with like newer Taylor Swift stuff, it's mm. like how oh much. And gosh. now that they work directly together, it's like yes, really is like a walk, so someone could kind of run. Absolutely. You know? I also yeah. think it's it's kind of like we're going into nostalgia core again. We're, we're really like bringing back that 2012, 2013, 2014. Guess what? Yeah, we're almost 10 years out from this record. Like, so. it's, yeah. it's pretty cool looking at like the new Taylor Swift record is my favorite Taylor Swift record ever because it's so much like it's paying so much homage to that time in music. Like, you know, that's a record that if that was out and, or or those songs were out, when I was scrolling Tumblr in 2014, it would have been playing in the background of my room. You know, those are like those sad pop hits. And of course it's produced by Jack Ganoff. Like I love his work personally, so I'm not offended. Um, But, you know, seeing that crossover of like, oh, Lana's on this record. Like it even more hits the nail on the head of like the timing, the nostalgia core, like what's going on here. And looking at like contemporaries for Lana at the time of her kind of rise, the time of Tumblr world, like you had like Sky Ferreros, you had Lord, you had Marina and the Diamonds, um, like Angel Olsen, Angel Olsen, I love yeah. her so much. I like it, it's kind of insane. It's it's really cool that we're in this, we're able to like consume all these these form these yeah. artists and like their spin on what this like kind of the brooding sad girl like top yeah. is. And, I think like, it's interesting that I feel like these artists like as huge as Taylor Swift is. Yeah. Where it feels like, and I know it's a basically a yeah. multi corporate, like multi billion dollar corporations that yeah. are feeding us these things when they get onto mm-hmm. the charts. But it's still like to have the agency to be like, I'm putting Lana on these tracks with me, Ugh. like to kind of take your friends with you or take these Bless people her with soul you. For that. You know, and it's Cause... like because that's not really the climate I feel like I grew up in. No, know? it was so much more competitive, especially for women, especially for women in pop and in music, like. We were compared constantly and hardcore were compared. Yeah. It it drives me up a wall, you know? And and like the patriarchy is like always like kind of speaking in my little brain, like barking at me, like, you know, and I'm always like, be quiet. I'm not listening to you. Be quiet. I'm not listening to you. I learned from you. Like I learned what not to do, you know, and now experiencing it, but seeing like, you know, Taylor Swift like featuring Lana Dora, them them working together on that song was like a dream come true because that, that would not have happened ten years ago by any means you know yeah, yeah. things yeah. the way that the, that like capitalism and music goes hand in hand like it was very different at the time for for specifically women who were in music yeah because i think there used to be that conversation of like if you put them on your track essentially they're eventually going to take your place and then you're going to be gone yeah and because there's not like, room yeah there's yeah. no there's only room for one that whole idea like I, I, I smash that like a bug every time that little like little 
thought comes into my brain like oh there's this other band with a girl I'm threatened and then I'm like no I'm not there's room for all of us we rule there should be more you know like I always have to like I'm like check myself if I have that thought you know and and I'm like there's that little patriarchy bug like trying to talk to me like and you know I have to be honest and be be real and be human like yeah I have those thoughts sometimes and then I'm like I have to be like self-aware and like self-conscious of that constantly like yeah no. yes yeah that kind of like it's not it's not about me you know like it's, it's like it's not yeah it's and really it's like not. when i when a friend gets like stereo gum and i'm like mm-hmm. i don't even have anything out why can't i i just need to be <laughs> yeah. happy for them yeah share yeah. it be happy for them like they, you know they want us to be hungry and they they as in you know the the capitalists like money mm-hmm. people in music right that the whole idea you know and it's not just music it's everything they want yeah. us to be competitive. They want us to be hungry. They want us to step on each other to get to the top. And the thing is, there is no top. There's, you know, I was watching the Kiss documentary last night and it was like, there was consecutive years where Kiss was the biggest rock band in the world in the 80s. And that's amazing. But have there been biggest rock bands in the world since Kiss? Yeah. And there's gonna be. And it's gonna continue happening with every band and artist and so on and so forth. And it's always ever-changing. It's an ecosystem. And the only thing you can hope for is that, you know, you see, you don't see wealth and success as this, like, fleeting thing. And and you see it as, like, oh, there's wealth and success in just being creative. Yeah. And that there's enough to go around. And that, you know, like, there's healthy competitiveness, yes. But, but again, like, you you don't want to, like, get get tied up in it like that's really important to me like that's a very important value to me that I like constantly think about I'm like it's enough to go around it's pretty awesome my friends are successful and like that's really important to me I was just uh watching a uh, TikTok video last night and there was a guy that talked about he got his bike stolen and Mm. he was like I feel like you know I, I I am mad at the person who stole my bike oh yeah but I should be more mad at the system that put this person in the position that they had to do this yeah because it's like nine times out of ten this isn't a person that just loves to steal a bike yeah you know it's like you know there there's there's a system in place this capitalism yeah. that we, we've spoken it makes on. us hungry yeah that makes, it makes us, us feel that way yeah like yeah. it makes us do things that are insane and like even referencing like when COVID was happening, when I was working at Trader Joe's, a lot of times I had to check myself, like not to be angry and, and like, you know, blow up on a customer. I mean, we all dream of that, right? But I was like, these people are scared. The world we're living in is making them scared. And people do crazy things when they're scared. People do crazy yeah. things when they're hungry, when they're broke, when, you know, and, and I'm over here like, yep, I'm hungry and broke on tour. I love it. It is the way it is, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Thanks for having me. We've got like some pretty fun stuff coming up. We have a tour with Show Me the Body. That's a full US. Um, Show Me the Body, Jesus Peace, Zulu, Trip Jones. It's going to be a party and we're going to be pretty much everywhere. It's it's going to be nuts. Um, that's starting in February, I believe. Um, we're also playing Disturbing the Peace in Baltimore. That's really exciting. We've got uh, Trapped Under Ice playing. Like that's going to be such a dream come true like playing with that band um and then we'll be around there's there's gonna be new music like all sorts of fun stuff happening um all sorts of fun creative you know stuff going on in scowl world i'm very much looking forward to but yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it welcome back thanks again to cat for coming on the pod 
check out the debut Scowl album, How Flowers Grow, out now on Flat Spot Records. Also, catch the band on tour with Show Me the Body, Jesus Peace, and Zulu in February. Okay, next time we're talking with my Patreon co-host Sarah Blumenthal as we discuss our favorite albums of 2022 and maybe a few things you might have missed. On that note, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and I hear reviews definitely help, so do that. Thanks, as always, to Sarah for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>